Hello, everyone, and welcome to our very first podcast for discussions on concussions. I'm your host, Rachel Coombs-Renwick, and I'm so excited to start this podcast series. I would like to welcome our very first guest on our podcast, and that is Beth Arts-Ives. Welcome, Beth. Thank you for having me. Such an honor to be here. Oh, we are thrilled to have you on for our very first. We have so much to talk about, and Beth is probably going to be a reoccurring star on my podcast, because not only is she a very good friend of mine, but she's got a lot of knowledge. (laughs) So, Beth, we'd love to start off if you just want to say your story, and we'll discuss your concussion. Yeah. Sounds good. So similar to you, Rachel, as we chatted about, um, I've had a number of concussions myself. So I always joke that I didn't want to ever get into the double digits. Um, But here we are, lucky number 10, uh, hoping that that's the last one for a while. So um, yeah, I was I was five years old when I had my first one. And so um, it's made getting treatment and sort of understanding what concussions look like for me and diagnosis pretty difficult because I was so young when I had my first one. I don't think I even realized that you were five for your first one. That's insane. Yeah, I was just, I was little. Um, it was, you know, I went unconscious immediately after. I always like to joke I have a bald spot on the back of my head where I made impact. And, uh, you know, first trip to in an ambulance and, and the whole kind of process. So that's what started off. Um, and they've been, you know, some interesting and challenging ones since then. Wow. Yeah. To think that you've been dealing with this since you've been five, like, I, I can't even imagine. Yeah, it, it's really been a part um, of a lot of things. And so similar to yourself, the concussion diagnosis versus like migraine disorder, it's been a, a conflicting one for myself and, and doctors because I was so young when I had the first one. So we're constantly kind of saying chicken or the egg, um, you know, as you and being in like the mental health profession, I've explored like ADHD with some of my doctors and just sort of saying, I meet the criteria for that. And them saying, you might, but with traumatic head injuries, they can look really similar. And because you were so young, that's never a diagnosis that you could get because we just never will be able to know what happened first. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. And back then, you know, we're talking 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. The research in the past 20 years, let alone even past two years, has been so different. So I can't even imagine back then them trying to like figure out, okay, looks like this little girl might have got a concussion. But the the treatment back then definitely doesn't even compare Mm -hmm. to what it would be like today it was basically non-existent back then even. Absolutely. You know, I don't remember them really doing a whole lot after the fact, but um, in the ambulance, you know, they kept getting my mom to talk to me and talk to me and keep me awake, keep me uh, alert, which we know now 
there's varying perspectives on that. If you have to keep someone awake immediately afterwards, or is it okay if their brain's trying to just like relax because it's been a traumatic brain injury? Um, you know, when I got to the, the hospital, they strapped me down to like a piece of wood because they were worried about any sort of like movement or secondary impact after the fact. And those are things that we don't necessarily do now, but as you said, 20 years ago, that that was their best shot. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. So when did your second one then pop up? Yeah. So it's a little bit um, foggy in terms of timelines. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I have a note in my phone of rough dates that we think some of them happened, but mm-hmm. um, there was a few from hockey. I can remember kind of getting hit in before I was 10 for sure. Um, soccer I remember hitting the ball off my head wrong um and like that was enough because as you know you get more susceptible to them you're more sensitive and so sometimes things that went to affect other people can be a concussion and can be really detrimental for us because we've had so many oh exactly and that's the thing and that's the scary thing too with with sports which obviously, you know, mm-hmm. we wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to, in our current states and mm-hmm. how many concussions we've had go out and play hockey or, or soccer. But, mm-hmm. you know, as a kid, I remember trying to headbutt the ball mm-hmm. so many times in soccer. Yeah. And that was even before my first diagnosed concussion. So you mm-hmm. have to wonder, you know, how many times can, can yeah. even a normal kid could do that without it impacting the brain in some way for sure yeah that must have been really scary for you (laughs) yeah and like you said we didn't we didn't know that much so the reason I kind of joke that timelines are, are kind of foggy is a number of them I never ended up going to the hospital because we just knew at that point oh like based on best symptoms going unconscious or throwing up a lot or just wanting to sleep or the pain. Um, My family got pretty good at knowing that that's what it was. And so we didn't even end up going to the hospital every time because they couldn't really do a lot other than say officially what had happened. Wow. Yeah. That's a scary thing. And then do you remember uh, exactly maybe what your last one was or how you really felt those symptoms the the last time? Yeah, so definitely some of my favorite, you know, ones, um, my, I think number four, number five, I grew up on a farm and I fell in my barn and went unconscious and I woke up laying in like the cow manure with like a cow licking my face. Oh my god! And I was like, <laughs> how is this happening? Like, um, so that was like one of the funniest ones and I just remember like falling and then coming to you with the cow. Um, that definitely sounds like you know a scene in a Hallmark movie. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Good one to tell. It's it's true. And then you know I went a couple years without ones and then got to university and, and started doing some sports. So I remember number eight, um, we were playing like inner tube water polo at university. So you're like in the little inner tubes and um, the goalie behind me went to like throw the ball all the way across the pool and didn't get enough height and hit me like five feet in front of him. And I remember being like, 
don't go unconscious in the pool because that's even more of a risk. Just like try and get out of the pool before you kind of go go unconscious. And I remember that being really scary. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's terrifying. So scary. So scary. And how did how did your recovery look like after that one, especially, you know, being in university? Yeah. So that was definitely one of the first ones where I was like, wow, I can't go back to like normal life after this. Um I remember just going home and being in like the darkness, not being able to go on my phone or computer. Um, I'll never forget that it was around St. Patty's Day in university and going into like the university doctor's office with my hat on and my sunglasses and just telling them I'm not hungover. I'm just concussed (laughs) Um, and needing to push back exams. And uh, it was definitely the first one that I was like, wow, this this really impacts my life. It's not just something I can shake off anymore. Yeah, that and that is the hardest thing to not be in denial about anymore. Mm -hmm. When you realize something has happened to your brain that even though you can't see it, there are certain moments that you can definitely feel it. And you have to accommodate your body to that. You can't Mm -hmm. just ignore it. And I feel like that's also the hardest part of getting those around you Mm -hmm. to understand, right? Mm -hmm. Like how, how's your experience been with that? And especially with your chronic migraines Mm -hmm. of getting friends and family to understand, no, I need to take a break right now, or this is how my head feels. Yeah, well, I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of that denial and understanding piece. I feel like I'm still trying to figure out how to accept my diagnosis and disability and how to be smart about it and it being invisible. You know, I was talking to my therapist about this this week and she was like, how would I know that you were 10 out of 10 pain right now? And I said, you wouldn't. And that's kind of the difficulty is unless I tell loved ones, they don't know And so I have to advocate. I have to be the one that clues them in on what I need because otherwise they wouldn't have any idea how how much I'm struggling. Yeah, that's the thing. And your transparency has been amazing. Everyone after this podcast needs to go check out Beth's Instagram because (laughs) Beth has truly been an inspiration to me. I have, not only do I treasure her friendship and her, caring caring personality but it's also the bravery this woman has to share Mm -hmm. her story about not only you know Mm -hmm. today discussing that you've been dealing with this kind of head trauma since age five but also Mm -hmm. the mental health toll that you've had you are somebody that has really showed me that it's okay to express what you feel Mm -hmm. and also to tell those around you, this is what you're going through. So I really feel like I couldn't be so open Mm -hmm. to even just anybody on social media or online if it weren't for Beth Art's eyes. (laughs) You're you're too kind. It's, yeah, it's sometimes hard to be kind of visible about something that we don't even fully understand ourselves, right? You and I are constantly trying different treatments and exploring different options. Um, 
but we've both had really dark times as a result of our pain and our injuries and not having clear definitions of what's to come. And um, I think that part of sharing our stories and finding a way to use it for good helps us keep going and helps us keep fighting to write the next chapter of our stories when um, we live with a lot of pain and it can be really debilitating and it can make it really hard to want to continue on some days. Yeah, it's, it's really well put. And it's, it's hard to express that to those around you that it's like the level of pain, physical pain and the mental pain that you go through mm-hmm. makes you go into yeah. it. And it becomes so easy to go into this space where you feel mm-hmm. like, well, what do I do with my life? What can I do? And it's so mm-hmm. different of what I was able to do and what I'm allowed to do or how my body mm-hmm. feels that it, it really puts you into a headspace mm-hmm. that you never thought you'd, you'd quite get to before. And even, you know, the most positive and cheery people, if, if someone were to meet Beth on the street, mm-hmm. you'd be like, wow, that yeah. is just a ball of sunshine. Like, you would never <laughs> guess there's this, this cheery woman being like, well, yeah, I'm a very lovely, positive person. But in the inside, I, I go through this as well. And and that's mm-hmm. how those thoughts can can happen. Yeah, it's that huge discrepancy, right? Of um, we know in in the research that depression and anxiety are higher rates of people who have had concussions and traumatic brain injuries and chronic pain. And so, um, it's it's a double edged sword. It's something that's comorbid or often goes hand in hand that uh, we're dealing with, and it's hard when that's not our baseline, that we are happy people, we are optimistic people who take things in stride. And some days it still feels like, how do we how do we keep plugging on? um, When when it feels too tough? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Now, Beth, I would love for you to share with our listeners, uh, what you do currently for a living and what your life kind of looks like right now. Yeah, so I'm a social worker. Um, I finished my master's, you know, during the pandemic a couple months ago. And uh, concussions has played a huge role in my work, but also getting here. Um, As I alluded, you know, number eight was during my undergrad. And I got my ninth concussion shortly before I got into my master's and my 10th during my first year of my master's. And some well-meaning people on my medical team are like, there's no point starting it because you're not going to be able to do it. And that was really hard to hear that this thing that I didn't ask for, I didn't ask to get all these concussions, um, even though sometimes I feel like people are like, well, what are you doing to yourself to make this happen? <laughs> like, are you are you careful enough? Like, you know, I can hit my head on a light switch and there's number nine. It's really easy now. Um, but it was important for me to, to do my master's and to be able to bring that experience of 
completing a postgraduate program with chronic pain and, you know, bringing my disability into my work and finding a profession and role where I could try and take care of myself while still doing what I love. That's absolutely amazing because even myself right now, I had number five during university and I remember the toll that that took on me of being told, okay, you know what, you're going to need to take a year off or you're going to need to, like, if you want to do a class, maybe only one. And I pushed, (laughs) pushed through that probably a little bit too hard and still graduated on time and everything. Mm -hmm. But now to this day, especially after experiencing my latest concussion, I can never Mm -hmm. even imagine going back to school. So the fact that you had the power to just push through that and Mm -hmm. you were so determined that, no, this is what I want to do. And, (laughs) and you didn't let that stop you. That's absolutely amazing. (laughs) You know, uh, I appreciate you saying that. And uh, because, you know, I've done enough therapy professionally and personally at this point, there's a cost to pushing through, right? There's a cost to pushing ourselves to keep doing things because that's what you do. That's what the plan was. Um, That's what everyone else is doing. So we should be able to do it also. And I, I think myself, I'm getting better at realizing I do have a disability. I do have something that impacts my life. And if I don't lean into it, I'm going to have to kind of pay that price. So I'm really proud of, of little Beth for having done the masters and pushed through and been stubborn and determined. Um, and I also know that, you know, it's okay to take a break. It's okay to take less classes and to get accommodations Um, And I hope that that's something I can embrace more as we keep going. Yeah, that's a huge thing. And what's great is that because concussions are now slowly being talked about more. And again, that's Mm -hmm. the whole point of this of this website and this podcast Mm -hmm. is is to get that out more, because even the difference Mm -hmm. of when I was in university from, you know, in second year when I was dealing with my concussion and a professor Mm -hmm. said, oh, oh, you have a concussion? Oh, everybody gets those nowadays, I hear, and just completely yeah. pushed me off. And then by the time I was done her course that semester, she then finally understood what I was going through because I slowly mm-hmm. let her in on it a little bit more and more. And she was like, wow, thank mm-hmm. you for properly educating me what this actually means because the mm-hmm. downside with using the word concussion a lot is that some people yeah. use it when they're not even diagnosed and they they think it's a great excuse to get you know a, a pushback on a deadline in school I, I remember mm-hmm. overhearing a girl in a main area at school being like oh I d- I'm not ready to finish this paper I'm just gonna say I have a concussion oh. and when I heard that I I don't know why. I feel like nowadays I would totally go up to that girl and say, mm. no. But at the time, I was just, I just listened and overheard that and thought, what? That, that's not fair. Because oh, that's yeah. when those professors say, well, doesn't everybody have a concussion nowadays? It's yeah. because of the people that are using the word and abusing it. 
Mm -hmm. and for, you know, people not being educated properly that these are life altering injuries. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's the crazy thing about it. And thankfully, I was Mm -hmm. able to get accommodations through the rest Mm -hmm. of the school. And that wouldn't have happened, you know, even a year, two years before I got that concussion. It's constantly changing. And I'm really glad about that. But it's it's that difference that I was then able to complete my university degree by yeah. being in a special room mm-hmm. that, that was darker, that yeah. didn't have any noise, and mm-hmm. I was allowed more time. Because also the processing, especially when you're still in the recovery, let alone yeah. like when you have post-concussion syndrome is when you read a question, it's like your brain could know that you could be an expert in this, yeah. but you can't come to the words right away. You mm-hmm. don't know what you're supposed to put down. And that's why I, I really appreciate at least the accommodations at Laurier that they had. Yeah. Um, and I hope that that we get to that point where for those that suffer brain injury, their stigma is dropped and that accommodations will be available to those students and that students like that one girl that I overheard do not abuse the word because girl, you did, you do not want to have a concussion. You cannot just throw that around. So no, No, we wouldn't wish that on our worst enemy. No, absolutely not. (laughs) No. And it's such a spectrum, right? That, our experience is, is valid and not something that should be just like used as an excuse. Um, but as you said, it kind of goes hand in hand with that understanding about it and that validity from doctors and then validity from like schools and employers seeing it as, no, this is a real thing that affects your ability to process, your ability to do your job, to study, to sit in a classroom, let alone write an exam. Um, and but it's such a spectrum, right? Some people yeah. get one and are are sort of okay, whatever okay looks like for them. And others, you know, you and I have modified our careers and um, what our future sort of looks like because it has changed our lives. Absolutely. And there's, there's so many things that we have to think about now. Yeah. Like I, I even had a conversation with a family friend the other day about, you know, in reality as a woman, it's like, okay, if I, if I want to have kids, yeah. what would that even look like with yeah. post-concussion syndrome and migraines? Because I, right now I could never imagine holding a crying baby. No. Oh right? my gosh. No. <laughs> no. So it's like, let alone that, let alone like, you know, a a big job change or anything in life. You have to think of all the different possibilities that before concussions happened, the world was your oyster. And right now you have to be like, okay, well, it's okay that I can't do everything Mm -hmm. or that I'm not ready for everything right now. And and Mm -hmm. that's when right now I call my full-time focus just recovering and it it comes it's it's very hard to come to an agreement in a way with yourself like okay that's okay that that's the focus right now especially when you're a (laughs) go-getter yeah absolutely you know there's so much that we want to do and 
Um, I always say that being in the helping profession is protective for me because I spend all day telling people to trust their instincts, to listen to their bodies, to do what feels right. And I struggle with it when it comes to my migraines and my concussions. But I think spending all day reminding people to do those things, it makes me like, oh, gosh, I have to listen to my own advice. I have to, (laughs) you know, um, take take those breaks. And sometimes taking care of ourselves is a full time job. And even if the world doesn't see it or understand it, you and I know when we have to do that for ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah. So to wrap things up today, Beth, I'm going to put you on the spot. I am going to ask you a question for our listeners out there. What Mm -hmm. advice would you give to someone who just found out that they are diagnosed with a concussion? Mm. Man, my first thought is (laughs) a dark room because (laughs) I know that (laughs) that's where I spend a lot of my time. Um, You know, I think therapy has been huge for me, just being able to talk out how I feel and the frustrations and the way that it impacts my life and the way that it's misunderstood and trying to figure out ways to ask family and friends for support. Um, I hope that it doesn't impact everyone's lives the ways that it sort of has for us. But I think having that support um, is amazing. And I wish I wish I had learned that or someone had suggested that, you know, four or five concussions ago. Yeah, absolutely. That that's a great piece of advice because, you know, there, of course, there's that. Uh, all the stereotypes that go with with therapy and mm-hmm. and all those negative words that can go with it. And mm-hmm. so I think it's really important to push out there that if if you have a concussion, you need to talk to someone about it and a therapist can be the right kind of of help that you need to to get through it because it is again, as we said, such a dramatic change to your life. And a lot of different emotions, a lot of dark emotions are a big symptom for dealing with that. So that's a great piece of advice. Yeah. And friends that relate to it, you know, we've found community with each other and online in the same way we hope uh, your listeners and followers do as well. Yeah. Yeah, we hope so. This is the start of it. It's exciting. Yeah, I'm so excited. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Beth. And we'll definitely have you on for different themed podcasts in the future. Because again, you've got a you've got a lifetime of knowledge. <laughs> we might as well use it for good, right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for having me on, and congratulations on the first discussions on concussions podcast. Thank you, and thank you for listening, everybody. And remember to rest your head.